0: All right, good morning. I still like that song. We only used it twice in this series. And by the way, this has been one of our longest series. Um, we're going to be finishing up next week. you got to come back next week for the conclusion of Stormproof Lives. Eight weeks we've been talking about this, and I've heard a lot of good comments about it. I'm very grateful. I hope it's been something we can really apply um, to our lives. And so today, minding your mind. That's what we want to talk about. Very needful message. I think it's something we really need to hear um, today. So here's the deal. How many of y'all, well, no, no, th- that'd be a vote thing. Don't vote. Okay. But how many of y'all heard the, the saying, who's minding the farm? You know that? Now you probably got to be like 45 and up unless you just happen to grab it somewhere. But it's an old saying from, from the old, my generation at least, about who is watching out for things. Who's watching? If you're if you're on vacation and you own a business, then someone might say to you while you're on vacation, Well, who's minding the farm? Um, if if the staff is gone, you know, at doorsville, somebody might say, Who's minding the farm? Okay? Who is in charge? Who's watching over things while you're away? And that's a really, really good question. You know, I watched a special, um, I think it was Friday night, maybe, or Friday during the day, um, on PBS, and it was entitled, Who's Driving the Car? Who's Driving the Car? Did y'all know that we are really close to having vehicles that, that will drive themselves? I mean, you like sit in there, and like, you don't do anything? It's amazing. It's so funny, though. We're so far along the road, and yet, no pun intended, we're so far down the road, but at the same time, we're, we're quite a ways, because... You would not believe how complex the software has to be to pick up everything that this vehicle is supposed to see. But there's a car uh, called a Tesla. Um, It's a pretty expensive vehicle, um, and it's kind of a unique vehicle. Uh, But anyway, they have something already in their vehicles called um, Autopilot. Autopilot. It's really pretty cool. Um, there's a couple of things you need to know about it. First off, it does control almost everything in the vehicle. So, in other words, if you're driving down the road, you know, and there's a curve, it'll actually take the curve for you. Um, it monitors the speed. It monitors things, you know, anything about, like, you're going the same direction. and You know, if there's a car ahead of you, it'll pull you out the path. It's really, really quite incredible. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Number one is, okay, you still, it's it's like they call it level two. You still have to drive the vehicle. You've got to be alert. You can't just like doze off and sleep while this thing's doing its thing, okay? And secondly, it does mainly monitor things going in the same direction that you are, okay? So here's why that's important. They showed a guy, and he had one of these, and he loved making YouTube videos and talk about his Tesla and this autopilot. And, and just about, you know, six, seven videos, they showed clips from it. how amazing, I mean, it really is amazing um, how it would change. A car would be ahead of it, and it would change lanes and move over. But keep in mind, it mainly monitored things going in the same direction that you were, and you have to mine the farm. Well, one day... And oh, oh I probably I'll throw this out too. It's really strongly suggested that you only use it on interstates. So in other words, not where there are intersections and things like that. Only on interstates where things go in the same direction. Well, one day he was not on an interstate. He was on a four-lane highway, but it had open intersections, and um, a truck pulled out in front of him. Now, the sad part is it was about a thousand feet. So if he had been minding the farm. And if Tesla had been designed, the autopilot had been designed to watch out on on open highways across traffic, it'd been okay. He wasn't minding the farm. And the truck pulled out in front of him, the autopilot did not pick it up, and he tragically died um, because he wasn't minding the farm. Now, what I want you to notice, that as we do this sermon today, talking about our mind, I want you to understand, it may not kill you, but it can sure devastate your life. If you don't mind the farm, so today we want to look at the mind and how it impacts. If 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 a storm is coming, what should be our mindset? How can we best prepare mentally and avoid some of the storms that come our way? There's a great scripture in Isaiah 26:3. It's almost it almost sounds like it needs to be in the New Testament. That's how good it is. Okay, here's Isaiah 26:3. You God, you will keep the mind. That is dependent on you in perfect peace. does that sound like something Paul would write? Like Paul slipped back in you know, a few centuries and wrote this? God, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Now here's the big takeaway that you can already grab in the first five minutes of the message, and that is this. We need to mind the farm, but it's even better when God is minding the farm. Okay? When God is watching over, we're allowing God to watch over our mind, Okay, things go very, very well. You're going to hear several quotes today. Um, some of them I'm going to reference Gregor Shell, some I will not. Um, I, I snatched these from Judy's teaching notes. Um, she did a, a couple lessons that Gregor Shell taught on the mind, the mastermind. And so you may hear a few of those, and I can't give reference to all of them. Um, but, but here's one he said. He said, the mind is a battlefield. Between God's truth about you and Satan's lies to you. Yeah, that's good. The mind is a battlefield between God's truth about you and Satan's lies to you. There is a war between God's truth and between our enemy's deception. God says one thing and the enemy says another. Very, very important. Very important. You know, we use that illustration on a Sunday night, and I think Judy even used it in her Sunday school class, about the white dog, black dog, and they were having this you know, this fight, and which one wins, the one we say sick them to, which one wins, the one I feed the most. And we've got to determine what we're going to feed in our brain. You know, what are we going to feed? Are we going to feed the, the dark thoughts and, and the things that are not godly, or are we going to feed the white dog and the things that are godly? It's our choice. It's our choice. Now, I told Judy... The problem with the message today, well, honestly, I'm a little bit too old to preach this. Because no matter what I do today, if I was up here with my shirt tail out and jeans on, you know, and my hair you know, all done cool and stuff, the bottom line is I'm still 65 years old. And I understand if you're here younger today, particularly if you're probably 45 and down, this may sound a bit old-fashioned to you, but that's okay because... Bible, and sometimes, is old-fashioned, okay? But here's the deal. I, here's something I came up with. We are often more careful walking in a cow pasture than we are in the minefield of the mind. We, we, are, we are more careful about walking in a cow pasture than we are the minefield of the mind. Um, we are. You know, so often, we are so concerned about how we look you know, we want to make sure the outfit matches perfect. We will make sure the makeup is on good. Dudes, we stand in front of the mirror and do all that stuff. Spend a whole lot of time. Because we don't want anyone to have the, a less per, a perception of us, you know, than, than we want, you know. We, we go to the gym and we work out and there's nothing wrong with that. But, man, we take care of the body because we want that perception to be so good. We're so careful about that, okay, but when it comes to our mind, we're loose with it. We're way, we are way too casual with our minds. See, if you're in a cow, if you're in a cow pasture and you step in something, you're gonna stink for a while. But if you're in a minefield and you step on something, your life is devastated. And you've got to understand that the brain is that important. The mind is that important. You have got to understand that what we think and how we think it can devastate our lives. Ministries have been destroyed. Marriages have been destroyed. Relationships between parents and children have been destroyed. Careers have been stolen away. Character has been devastated because we casually walk through the minefield of the mind and step on a landline and we find ourselves in a devastated situation. Paul... Now, remember, who did I just say? Paul Paul garners a lot of respect in circles today. The great theologian, Paul. The great theologian, Paul. Well, in our core scripture, which was Philippians 4, 1 through 9, the great theologian, Paul, talks about minding our mind. And here's what he says in Philippians 4, 8. Now, keep in mind, the great theologian said this. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, we're winding down in this passage. We're getting near the end. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, we are to dwell on on these things. So Paul lays out very clearly that it is important what we think about. It's important what we think about. Um, I, I came up I was trying to find ways to really help you get a hold of this. okay It's easy to say, well what, is, what does he mean by truth and what does he you know what if we saw these words okay as um, passwords? What, what if your mind has a gate? OK, and we think of these words as passwords. OK, or or perhaps what if we saw what if we saw these words, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, moral excellence, anything, uh, uh, praiseworthy. What if we saw those as passwords into our brain? What if we saw them as a litmus test? OK, you've all heard, you know, you've seen the movies where the guard is there, you know, and this guy's weapon. He hears something and goes, oh, who goes there? And then the person gives a password. And here's the deal. You know, if it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass. If we have something that's knocking on the gate of our mind, if it doesn't pass this litmus test, if it doesn't pass this, these passwords, okay, then it doesn't get in. It doesn't get in. If it doesn't pass, it just doesn't pass. Now, now here's the deal. The culture of the world, and, and honestly, if we're not careful, some of our, our younger generation and older generation, we kind of have the mindset, that it's just not that important what we put into our brain, but nothing could be further than the truth. Our culture, our culture like never before, is swimming in the cesspool of life. I know that sounds old-fashioned. I'm sorry. I know it sounds old-fashioned. But our culture is swimming in a cesspool. But let me tell you something. Just because they are doesn't mean you as a believer in Jesus Christ could or should. It does. It is impactful what you do with your brain. I know we want to say, we want to do the thing and go, Well, you know, it's my brain, my deal. Dude, you better get your Bible out. Because the Word of God says you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And come in my office and let me share some stories with you about people who said, it's my life, I'll do what I want to, and I'll tell you about how their marriages have been destroyed. i tell you how they have no relationship with their kids. I can tell you how they used to have a career and don't have that career. How they used to be a person of character and now they're not. That's how vital this is. And Satan is going to try to fool us. He's going to try to fool us. You know, in Galatians, the great theologian Paul, Galatians says in 5.13, Paul wrote to the church of Galatia, you, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free. You're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom. That's the culture. That's the mindset today, even in Christian circles, about, hey, we're free. Yes, you are. But Paul says, don't use that freedom to indulge into the flesh. So... What is Satan's strategy? What's his plan? Okay, well, it's really quite simple. Satan's strategy is simple. And I'm going to tell you why it's simple. You know why it's simple? Because we're so gullible. He does not need to work hard on this one. We so often, in the area of our brains and what goes into our brain and what we think about in the culture of today, we just throw open the gates. And we are so gullible when it comes to what he throws away. So here's the strategy. Replace what is godly with that which is not. Replace what is godly with something that is not. In other words, in other words, truth with lies. Truth with lies. What God says about you and what you say about you. That's all he's got to do. See, if he can convince you that you are a failure, you've always been a failure, and you'll never be anything but a failure, you'll eventually quickly give up trying to be something else. If he convinces you that you can't do all things through Christ, who strengthens you in the spiritual realm, then you'll throw in the towel. He knows this. So all he's got to do is replace truth with lies. All he's got to do is replace honor with dishonor. What is the honorable thing to do? All he's got to do is get us to do the dishonorable thing. When, when the honorable thing we do be keep our mouth shut about a brother or a sister, we choose to gossip and do something that's dishonorable. Um, justice with injustice. What's right with what's wrong. I was thinking, do you realize what a gray world we live in? Things that we just were right and wrong, now they're gray. We're, we live in this fog of grayness. And I'm telling you, as a believer, as a follower in Jesus Christ, we have got to clear the fog out and understand that God's word has not changed. White is still white and black is still black. White, right is right and wrong is wrong. It's not changed. And let me tell you something. Again, younger generation, you listen to me. Your friends are going to look at you like you're crazy. Now, my generation, we're kind of still weird. We kind of like, well, you know what's right and what's wrong not saying we're perfect, because we're not. But I'm just telling you, in today's culture, if you take a stand for right and wrong, they're going to look at you like you're weird. They're going to call you just an intolerant bigot, is what you're going to be. How can you say a person doesn't have a right to do this? And you're going to have to determine where you're going to stand on that. You're going to have to allow God to teach you in your mind what is right and what is wrong. Now, I used a saying um, several weeks ago from a guy named Arthur, Rock. I think his name was, R-O-C-H-E, however you say that. And he used this with fear, okay? But, but I want you to, so I put a couple blanks in there. Um, blank is a thin stream of blank trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Okay, now the second blank there, I want you, if you're taking notes, to write down the word um, arsenic and the second word acid. Arsenic and acid. Now, that first blank, okay, are the things that will be tempted to put into your brain, and then you're going to find out that if there are these questionable things, that will probably be arsenic or acid in your brains. I know that today I need to be the good cop, good cop, bad cop. Okay? The good cop's going to tell you that, you know what? You are so much in Jesus Christ. You are so much. You are, man, when God reached down from heaven and forgave your sins by His amazing grace and saved you, you became a child of the King. What's the song say? No longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. But I just also need to pause a moment and be the bad cop. The bad cop is a guy named Dwayne who happens to be your pastor, who loves you enough to tell you the truth today. There is, again, there is a movement in culture. It seems, and in Christian circles, it seems that everything's okay. You know, pornography is a big deal. Pornography is a big deal. I. It's like 40%, 50% of churchgoers regularly view pornography. It's a big deal. And the the logic is this. You know, it's only a picture. Why does it matter if it gets in my brain? You know, that's, that's the logic of pornography. But see, pornography is a sin against God. If you're married, it's a sin against your spouse. And it's a sin against you. And the world will tell you, I mean, we've never seen the, you know, the accessibility to pornography like today. I mean, it used to be you had to sneak down to 7-Eleven and get one off the shelf and go in the woods and hide and look at it so mom and dad wouldn't find you. But not today. It's all over. It's all over. How about explicit songs? You got some music on your iPod or on your phone that you play regularly that's just downright filthy? You really want that in your brain? I I remember. Don't let Sarah see this. One day I was doing the dad thing, and her car was. (laughs) Well, the EPA called me and said, either clean your daughter's car out, or we're going to come and pound it. Just kidding. But in the process, when I turned the key on to roll the windows down, the radio came on. And it wasn't the radio. It was a CD. And instantly out of the speakers was some of the most vile music. I mean, every four-letter word you can imagine. And I was angry. I cannot believe, one, that this music was even there. You know, I'm kind of naive. I live in a small world, Brent. <laughs> he, he tells me what it goes on prom sometime, I'm going, you're kidding me. i live in a naive world. But I couldn't believe that my daughter had this. So, you know what I did. I ejected the CD out and broke it in half. And then I did the father police thing and said, if I ever catch you listening to that music in my car, because the title is in my name, okay, then you're going to lose the car. I don't want to share listen to it again. But my point is, I was shocked. And here's a young lady who was a Christian and she somehow thought it was okay. Bad cop. Maybe. You notice the. It's the season for Halloween movies. You really want that stuff in your head? I know, I'm old-fashioned. I know, but you really want that in your head? We were in a conversation the there today, and a really good Christian person came up and was sharing how she had gone to see a movie. It was it. The movie It. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen a preview. I just know it's pretty gory. You know, pretty horrific. And she's going, oh, yeah, you know, we'd like to go see those movies. And I'm sorry, I couldn't. I said, you wouldn't saw that? Why, why would you put that in your head? May I ask you the same question? Why would you put that in your head? You're a Christ follower, and you're a follower of the Apostle Paul, the theologian, who gives us this litmus test of things that we should allow in our brains. Why would we put that in the would really read books that would make your mother flush? Blush. See, that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's epidemic. It's epidemic. And what's dangerous is we've, we've adopted somehow the culture that it really doesn't matter what we put in our brain. Well, it does. When we put this kind of stuff this kind of stuff in our brains, okay? Then then whatever you pick the one I talked about, or maybe you have your own. Okay? When we put that in our brain, it's a thin stream of either acid, which will eat your brain, your your Christian character in your brain, or or arsenic, it will poison your brain. It will poison Your brain. Those things. You know, either one. If encouraged, if we allow that stuff to keep going, okay, it cuts a channel into which all our thoughts are drained. In other words, it becomes our default way of thinking. Now, again, in case you're sitting there, you know, thinking, I'm a grace man. What are you going to do with Paul? Are you going to throw Philippians 4-8 out? Are you pretending like it really wasn't there? I don't know. All I know is this. Through the years, I have seen so many casualties of bad thinking that I don't want to see another victim. I don't want to see another victim. You know, it, again, this is one of those Groeschel thoughts. You know, If you think a thought enough, that thought becomes a default thought in your brain. If you think something enough, it becomes the default thought in your brain. If you tell yourself you don't have enough, then you're going to go into a scarcity mentality. You're going to find incredibly hard to be generous if you think that you'll never have enough if, if you say to yourself I'll never be enough then you'll never live in the victory that God wants you to be and those things can become the default in our lives okay um, you'll never create a pathway where it's easier to think if you're, if you're never going to have enough or be enough you know we have a we have a sidewalk that forms an L over here's the entrance to our garage. And it's just easier to go across the grass. We can go down the sidewalk and turn right or go across the grass. Well, guess what? Every year we have this beautiful grass, okay? All right, semi-beautiful grass, okay? We have to be authentic. (laughs) But by mid-June, there's a path. There's a worn path, and on each side is green grass, but there's a, pull, a worn path where we take the shortcut. And what I'm trying to tell you is, when you allow this junk into your heads, it becomes your default thought. And it wears a path into your brain. And that's what, how you become. That's what you become. Okay? Now, what is the alternative to that? Just in case someone here actually believes what I said is true. Okay? What is the alternative to that? The alternative is to believe that God is your source and that with God all things are possible. That you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. That's the alternative. Then the question becomes, how? How? Okay. First off, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, we're going to set our mind. We're going to set our mind. Okay, in Colossians 3 2, it says, Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Okay, lock your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Now, in case. I don't think so Not by now anyway You may have said Oh this is a message on positive thinking I'm all about positive thinking I've I've read about this on the internet And we should be positive thinkers This is not about positive thinking That's okay This is about godly thinking This is about godly thinking Okay And so when he says Set your minds on things above It's not just positive thinking It's godly thinking Godly thinking And here's why Here's why You know When we put other stuff in our brain, okay, that's what's going to come out. When we put God's stuff in our brain, that's what's going to come out. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7, you know, Paul said these words. He said, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. In other words, there's a God rule that you can't mock, okay? You will always harvest what you plant. You'll harvest what you plant. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's inside will eventually come on the outside. So we've got to set our mind. If we fill our mind with godly stuff, what's going to come out? And if you you set your mind on worldly stuff, what's going to come out? And listen, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you the truth. This is bigger than you think. This is bigger than you think. And again, in a culture that's so loose with this, and again, in our libertine thinking, sometimes with the scriptures, somehow we justify it. Somehow we justify it. You know, the life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. The life that you have... Can I have a moment of transparency? Someone said to me the other day, and unfortunately I think they're right, they said, Dwayne, you see the glass is half empty. You see the glass is half empty. And I said, man, you know, I don't like that, but that might be just true. But I've, I've, I've discovered, you, you tell, no, don't tell me. But you'll walk up and say, "Hey, doing, Dwayne? And if I'm not careful, I find myself proceeding to tell you what's not good in my life. Re- regardless of how much good there is. And I think, I'm going to tell you why I think I do it. It, it garners sympathy. Oh, poor thing. Pat me on the back. I think that's why. But I don't want that. I want, I want the life that you have as a reflection of the thoughts you think. I want to concentrate. I've been working on this. I want to concentrate on who God says I am. I, I want to concentrate on who God is. Not what he does, but just who he is. That's why I keep telling David over and over and over again, I can't get enough of the music that we sing because it capitalizes on the idea that God's grace is enough. And for a guy who wrestles with low self-esteem, and for a guy who wrestles with life in general, you know, I need to hear about grace all that I can. Because it proves to me that God loves me regardless. Regardless. Now, I can fill my mind with the I'm not enough stuff or the garbage of the world or I can fill my mind with I am enough and the wonders of heaven. You know that song, 10,000 Reasons? (laughs) David, we've always seen that song and I never can remember the title until we get to the title. 10,000 Reasons. Oh, that's what this song is called. How amazing is that? Amen? It's amazing. We want to focus and think on the 10,000 reasons of how and why we should praise this wonderful God that we serve. Amen? Amen? It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, now listen to what Paul goes on and says in Galatians 6. You know, first he said, you know, you'll always harvest what you plant. What you put, what you put in your brain is going to come out. What you put in your... Here's our ooze word. What you put in your brain is eventually going to ooze out. In your attitudes and in your actions. Okay? Now, here's what he says. He, he lays it out real plain. Those who live only to satisfy their own simple nature will harvest decay and death from that simple nature. You put that stuff in, here's your harvest. Decay and death. You know, James talked about, you know, where does sin, where does sin come from? From our own passions inside. From our own passions inside. Then he says this. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. There's the choice. We can put junk in and reap decay and death, or we can put the Spirit in and harvest life everlasting. Which, Which one sounds better to you? Which one sounds better? What's better? Someone said, you know, have you ever tried to find out sources of quotes? I mean, I really, you know, the reason I told you about the Gregor Shell thing, I don't want you to think I'm, you know, I'm taking credit for what he said. Okay? So this was a quote that I've heard before. And I went online and said, I'm going to find out who said this. Well, about 19 people said it. Well, this person said it. No, this person said it. This person said it. So you pick somebody who said it. Today, Dwayne is saying it. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action. Reap a habit. Sow a habit. Reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. Mm. So true. So true. So true. So the bottom line is this. If you want to change your life, change the way you think. If If you're sitting there and saying, man, I feel so stinking guilty. I feel so shameful. I feel so negative. I feel so down. I feel so dark. May I suggest, take a look the way you think. What are you putting in your brain and replace it with something godly and just see what happens. Just see what happens. See if the light comes back on. See if the darkness goes away. See if the shame goes away. See if the guilt goes away. Put the godly stuff in your brain. Then the second thing, After we do that, we're going to look at renewing our mind in Romans 12.2. This is the go-to scripture about brain change. Okay, In Romans 12.2, he says this. Paul says, the theologian Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't let the world pressure you. Now, I need to let you hear it again from me. Okay, That's what the world is going to do. Being a Christian in the 50s and 60s was decently popular. 70s and 80s and 90s, kind of neutral. We are living in a post-Christian character in America. Our culture is post-Christian. Okay? So the pressure you're going to see from the world and from your friends and from who you play golf with, all those different things, is going to be post-Christian most likely. Okay? And there's going to be a pressure. So Paul says, do not do not conform. Don't let the world pressure you to the pattern of the world. Okay? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, allow God to brainwash you. Brainwash. (laughs) Being a pastor is so much fun. Y'all have no idea. Cobden, 1991. (laughs) I go make a visit a lady was coming to our church and the daughter came. And she wasn't a believer. So I knocked on the door. and Hi, I'm Mr. Bubbles Duane, your family-friendly neighborhood pastor. We're really glad you visited our church. Let me tell you something, she said. You're nothing but a little Hitler. And all you're doing is brainwashing those people down there scarred me for life but we need a brain washing only you don't need me you need the holy spirit we just need to let god wash our brains please let god wash our brains don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove and let me save that for just a moment okay Now, now here's the deal you remember Philippians 4 8, whatever was true and honest and all those things? Now, we said, let's use them as passwords. Then I said, let's use them as litmus tests. Now let's use them as bullets. So, something that is harmful and a lie comes to you, you pull out your 30-06, pull back the bolt, put into the chamber the bullet of God's truth, and you fire. And the lie dies. Come on now. Come on. And the lie dies. So then, the, then the, the unjust, the wrong. See, just is right. Unjust is wrong. So something that is wrong pops into your radar. You pull out your 30-06 and you put just in it. You throw it into the chamber and you shoot unjust in the heart and it dies. See, make sure we kill things that we want dead. Don't drag them into your closet and save them for a later day. When it comes to the things of God and the things that are not godly, we need to have a yard sale or a funeral and get rid of the ungodly things in our life. And we need to centralize and fo- focal on, focalize, on, focalize, new word, focalize on the things of God. Amen? Amen? So, so use those as bullets to kill, to kill, to kill these other things in our minds. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul says, we demolish arguments. We tear down. We demolish arguments and every pretension, every supposed thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We need to do some demolishing. We need to do some demolishing. We we need to to have everything that sets up, even a pretense, up against the knowledge of God. We need to demolish it. And... We need to take every thought captive. Every thought captive. It's a big deal. Good deal. We've been convinced that a little sin don't hurt. That's a lie. Sin offends God. When we willfully sin, when we willfully sin, when we willfully sin, we drag this cross through. We drag it through the mud. We drag the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ through the mud. When we willfully sin, we just choose and tell God no. And then there's the damage. Then there's the damage. You know, Psalm 119. This is, by the way, this is one of those cool things. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. 9, 1, 1. Here's your 9, 1, 1 for your brain. How can a young person stay pure? How, how can I say no when my brain is tempted? How, when, when my friends call and say, hey, we're going to go see this movie, and you know it's junk. you know when, when you're sitting there at the computer and your wife's in bed and you are so tempted to mash the button. Okay? How can a young person, old person, a person stay pure? By obeying the word of God. Someone say amen, please. Amen. That is so strong. By obeying the word of God. I mean, I hope you hear me clearly today. It does not matter what I think. This is one some 65-year-old man said I'm saying, you ought not go see dirty movies. God says you shouldn't go see dirty movies. God says. God says be careful what you put in your brain. God says. Because it impacts. It is choice. This is strong. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I love this. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me disobey. Do you really? Do you really want to walk away? Hey, are you are you really ready to throw your character away? Are you really ready to put your marriage at risk to pornography? Are you really ready to explain to your kid why he walked into the room and what you were looking at? Are you really ready for that? That's why I love what the psalmist says. I have tried hard to find you. You know, you've invested so much in your marriage, so many years. you got 15 years under your belt. Do you really want to throw it away for a moment of pleasure? I have tried hard to find you. Keep me. Keep me. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Remember that time I stood before you in this series and said, y'all have six or eight verses, your go-to verses? Have you done that? Did you do that? Did you write down six or eight verses that are your go-to verses that really help you through life? Hope you will. Hope you, you. don't have to get them perfect. Just get 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 the gist of the truth of the word there. So so that when when Satan comes knocking on your door and wants to put this junk in your brain, you can say, "Yeah, but what did Jesus doing?" Look for. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Put that in your brain. All right. Let's go to the end. This is one of my favorite verses. I preached on Sunday night about two or three weeks ago because I just love it. I just love it. It's 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. Um, and this is going to help you with the temptation part. Okay? When when you're tempted to give. Alright? When you're tempted to just cave. Okay, when the path is pretty well worn and your default thought is, okay, this will help you. Um, Peter writing, and Peter knew all about sin and temptation and failure. You know, he, he wrote about that. And here's what it says: Be sober, be serious. What are you going to do with this message today? Are you going to toss it out or are you going to be serious minded with it? Are you going to see the seriousness of the moment? Be serious minded, be alert. That night I told Judy, how you said you wanted to go hiking, you know? And she said, you know, we're having those warm days, you know? And she said, what's holding me back from going hiking, one of the things I don't want to hike for, is those leaves are nice and brown. And so are copperheads. And copperheads love to get out in that warm sun and just bask. Okay? And they love preacher for lunch. They love preacher for lunch. So be sober, it. be alert. Be alert. Here it is. I just love this. Your adversary, the devil, the enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. here's what I shared that night. Now, I may have shared it on Sunday morning, but that's okay. Roaring lions aren't looking for something to eat. I mean, can you imagine? Here's a little antelope sitting there. And all of a sudden, roar! You think the little antelope's going to go, Hi, Mr. Lion, how are you? Come over here and eat me, I'm fine. Well, no, you know what lions do. They stealthily sneak up and get the ammo. So when Paul, when Peter says, your adversary the devil is prying around like a roaring lion, what is going on? Okay? Here's what's going on. Roars, line, roars, <laughs> lions roar. We'll get it. Lions roar for two reasons. To declare dominance and to add to the pride. Declared us, this is my territory. So be careful your adversary devil is roaring because he's declaring his supposed territory. His is his brain, are your brain his territory? Does he know that your brain belongs to him? Does he roar and you respond? I'm really glad this is toward the end of Pastor Appreciation because I think the gifts are over. <laughs> Is that, is that happening? You know, he's declaring dominance. Has, has he added you to his pride? Not that you lost your salvation, but are you living in such a way that you look more like the devilish line than the line of Judah? See, there's more than... I thought about this. You ever wonder where sayings come from? There's more than one way to skin a cat. I thought about that and said, and I'm not a cat fan, okay? But why would we say there's more than one way to skin a cat? It's kind of gross if you think about it. But there's more than one way to devour a believer. And Satan knows that. He don't have to chop you up. He don't have to put you in his gut to digest you, to devour you. He knows if he owns your mind, owns your heart. And you'll know that happens, by the way, when you start thinking and acting more like a lost man than a saved man. I'm telling you, I don't care what the culture says. The world ought to know you belong to Jesus. When you see your best friend who's lost as a goose, at a I can't find a better word than a filthy movie. What's he thinking? What's he thinking? Okay. Enough. I hope today that Satan learns that he is not the king of the jungle. That because we are believers in Jesus Christ, we have victory. We have victory. Not because of us, but because of him. And I'm going to pray today in just a moment as our team comes up, I'm going to pray in just a moment that we will have victory in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. Now listen. This is important. Just remember, this stuff gets in our brain. At best, it's acid. At worst, it's arsenic. It can... It can hurt your brain. It can mortally wound your brain. Let's be on guard. Let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you for the privilege of sharing this today. And I know it's hard truth. I know that, especially in this culture. But God, I'm praying. I have I've already prayed this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would garner hearts. And just speak to hearts. Father, I want to pray against Satan having his way in my brain and our brain. I want to pray from the, from the young people here today, from the middle school kids and even younger, Lord that we will stand we will stand with you and for you I pray against Satan using his strategy and tricks to get into our brains Father help us not to be gullible Christians help us to understand read, assimilate and do your word and that will be our honor against our minds being owned by Satan. And I'm going to pray in Jesus' name right now for the victory that I know is going to occur in the lives of your people. I pray that, Father, right now. Now, Lord, if there's someone here, and Father, we didn't touch on the cross much today, but there's someone that you have brought here today because they need to hear about Jesus, Holy Spirit, right now, speak into their hearts and bring them to the cross. If there's a... there's a man or a woman here struggling with pornography or some other kind of of the stuff we talked about today, Father, give them the courage to say no and to step away today. Father, may we be salt and light in this world as only you can make us. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.